What's good, family? Welcome back to another episode of Reimagining Youth Work. Today I'm talking to Jesus Sanchez. He is a local organizer here in Pomona, California. He runs Gente Organizada, which is a youth organizing organization. I'm talking to him about all things youth organizing, I'm talking about his growth, uh, his own personal growth, uh, his work with young people and communities in general in Pomona, and also talk a little bit about the win that they had last year and their own defund the police campaign. Now, Jesus is doing really the on the ground work of listening to community, being in community, building alongside community, resourcing community. This is definitely a guy who has a lot of answers about how do we do what we are all saying that we want to do in this moment, right? Which is to support young people as they organize, to support young people as they fight for all of our rights and all of the change that we need to see in the world. His organization is doing that work in real time. And so he talks about the history of that, what it looks like, what it looked like then, what it looks like today, a lot of gems to grab about what it means to really authentically allow young people to lead and also just celebrating some really strong victories. So check it out. I know you'll love it. This is Dr. Toria Weston Certain, and you're listening to Reimagining Youth Work. What's good? What's good, family? Welcome to another episode of Reimagining Youth Work. Today, I have with me a good friend and a local leader, Jesus Sanchez. He's an educator and organizer who has worked closely with lawmakers, education officials, higher education leaders, and teachers unions to implement critical programs, policies, and reforms that improve conditions for students, parents, and educators. He is founder and executive director of an organization located here in Pomona called Gente Organizada. Welcome, Jesus. What's up, Tori? Thank you for having me. I'm amped, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. I'm amped to talk to you because you're local, because I know you and I know you're dope <laughs> and you're doing really good work. And so I just want to, A, get the word out about who you are and what you're doing over there. But also, I want people to know, like, how you're doing what you're doing, because y'all yeah. are getting real work done over there. Yeah. So, um, again, I just want to highlight that and celebrate that. So, first of all, just tell us, tell us a little bit about your own story and how it connects to the work that you're doing right now. Yeah, well, first off, thank you for having me. And um, I'm sure it's going to come out, but uh, yourself and Iman have been a huge part of our development. So... I can't wait to tell that story as well. But me personally, um, I am the youngest of three sons uh, from uh, Mariana and Jose Sanchez, um, and both immigrated from Zacatecas, Mexico. Um, and we grew up as a family, we grew up a bunch of different places before we settled in Baldwin Park. So um, East San Gabriel Valley, uh, the 626. And okay. um, my background, um, I was not a student who excelled well, uh, excelled in school at all. Um, that was not my experience. I was one of those students that was just kind of skating by, um, realized that the education system wasn't necessarily what um, I was looking for or was something that was conducive to my development. Um, and that was something that I, it was a realization that I had at a young age. And it just kind of like, I was one of those kids that just kind of tur turned the, the switch to off and I just coasted and I was just wait waiting to get out of the K through 12 system basically. Um, and I was blessed enough though to have a support system outside of the school system within my community. So like I was one of those students or kids that was always at the parks. Um, I grew up in community centers and basketball gyms at uh, the basketball courts outside of Morgan Park uh, in Baldwin Park. Um, and the community helped raise me, right? And that's, those were my support systems, kept me out of trouble for the most part, and um, really just kind of trying to build and um, do positive things. So uh, naturally, um, when I graduated from high school, I started working for the city Parks and Rec. Um, 
and I came full circle and it was one of those things where uh, I started working for the same programs I participated in when I was a kid. So I was in those youth programs and I became the coach. I became the ref, uh, getting yelled at by parents and trying to, trying to hold court and keep peace. Yep. Um, and it was an amazing uh, experience for me to develop those leadership skills. And um, it was through athletics, through sports, uh, that I really started to kind of develop that confidence. I'm like, wow, like I could lead folks. Um, I have, you know, like I have a vision for things and I like able to execute it and manifest those visions into reality and that was like the huge confidence boost that I needed um, and it took me a while for that to kind of connect academically but um, at that time I was going to Mount Sac spend a little bit too much time there like a lot of us do and um, eventually uh, transferred to Cal State Dominguez Hills um, go Toros and from Dominguez um, went to University of Laverne got my master's degree and um, never never really the, i guess kind of the sad thing with like how i my experience in education i never really uh, like appreciated it mm. it was always something that i had to do to survive and um not live in poverty right yeah. um so i didn't really um and it's something that i i to, to be honest i kind of regret i wish i could go back and sit in those classrooms and really kind of take it in instead of just trying to kind of seize get degrees right yeah, yeah. um but that was my experience. And throughout school, I was always working. And um, yeah, so that was my background. And eventually, when I graduated from Dominguez, I started working in youth development, uh, but close, more closely to kind of education, which was ironic mm -hmm. based on my experience. Yeah. Um, and it didn't take long for me to find out that I was needed in, in that environment, in that mm -hmm. setting, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> that there were many students that were having the similar experience that I had when I was younger. Um, so that, that was, that was a realization as well. And, um, it wasn't something that I had taken lightly. So I, I worked with a lot of students who had that same outlook, mm -hmm. um, in the K through 12 system. Um, and in that time I was working after school programs, college access programs, um, had the privilege of working a gear up program at three different high schools in the San Gabriel Valley. Um, and just doing that college access work, the mentoring work. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, uh, it was that experience working within some of these high schools that uh, I came to kind of a crossroads. And I was thinking of becoming a high school counselor. Um, and <laughs> I would have been comfortable. I would have been comfortable. I would have been making some decent money. Yeah. And like, I would have been set. Um, and uh, I was at a fork in the road. And I decided to go probably, I don't even know what direction, but... I said, nope, I can't work within this system. I couldn't work within the system and I started to do community organizing. Um, and it was based off of not only my personal experiences in education, uh, but those of um, you know me being a professional and working in partnership with school districts and seeing so many things that were just unjust and wrong um, that led me to want to do the organizing work. So. Yeah, that's a little bit about me and how yeah. I kind of got started doing community organizing and um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm hearing you say that you've had this sort of terrible relationship with education. Yep. You, you kind of <laughs> say, you're like, I didn't like it, but I feel, you know, I'm getting the sense that it wasn't that you just didn't like it. Did you not feel safe? Did you not feel welcome? Was it just to, what were your experiences? Yeah. So, I mean, let's see. I definitely, like growing up in Baldwin Park, going through Baldwin Park Unified School District, um, I could count more negative experiences with educators and teachers mm -hmm. uh, that were negative, right, than I had positive ones. Um, and like, you're a kid, those stick with you. Like, yeah. teachers telling you, like, um, teachers kind of getting into it and stooping, stooping to the level of a, of a 13 or 14 year old and like getting in arguments with them and like, all right, like I'm going to remember you when you're, uh, when I'm going to order my burger at the restaurant, oh, you're going to have wow. to give that to me. Um, having teachers tell you like, no, we don't speak Spanish in this classroom, uh, being an English learner. Right. Um, and, uh, just really kind of having no expectations of students and, uh, really the expectation of like, if you fail, you fail. If you're not trying, you're not trying and not having kind of that support network. Um, yeah, it's a, 
I think it, it, it's a culmination of a lot of those different experiences. But I, I think the biggest one was I didn't see myself um, in front of those classrooms. I didn't see myself. I didn't see anyone with the like my name that looked like me, that ate what I ate, that lived in the in the community where I lived. Um, and it was something that like you you live that experience and you just start to believe like that's not me. That's not for me. Right. Yeah. Um, and it was a lot of work to kind of unlearn and allow myself to just be like, all right, there's different ways of approaching this. There's different ways of doing the work. Um, or you don't, you know, like approaching academics or, uh, education. So, yeah. Yeah. I hear you. So tell us more about, tell us about Gente. Tell us about Gente Organizada, how you came up with it and tell us about the dope work that y'all are doing in Pomona. All right, so I'm going to give you an exclusive, Tori. Are you ready? I am um, ready. I'm ready. So Gente Organizada, um, it was that name was born at a local bar here in Pomona. With Really? Uh, so, yeah. So myself and Angel Garcia, he's the co-founder, my boy. Um, we had this idea to start a nonprofit that would be a kind of a mixture of youth development, education, and community organizing, right? Um, and we were sitting at DBA Art Gallery and yes. um, just kind of dreaming, right? And like trying to like, all right, what does this look like? What names did you come up with? And just sharing them. And finally the concept of gente, um, that it started with that, like gente, that word is powerful. Like, um, you know, like the English equivalent, it's like the, like to tell somebody, those are my peoples, like that's gente, you don't know? like, they're good. Um, and we, we played off of that, like gente organizada, organized people. Um, that's where the name was born. So that's your, that's your exclusive, Tori. Thank you. Some history right there. Pete um, in the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it all started with um, mothers. Um, and most of which were undocumented, uh, all of which were immigrants to this country, started with our moms. Um, I was living out here in Pomona for, at that point, probably for like four years, I think, roughly. Um, and somebody, somebody happened to get my number. They, they knew that I was somebody who did organizing around education and parent organizing. And there was a movement starting to happen in South Pomona Mm-hmm. at Lexington Elementary School, which is a K through eight. Um, and end up meeting some amazing parent organizers that are already doing the work, that already had laid the foundation and really just gave them technical support. Mm. Uh, brought them that technical support that they needed, um, that infrastructure, um, and just really kind of laying out options as to how they could maneuver through trying to transform this school that was failing them and their children Mm -hmm. to transform. Um, And when we started, we would meet at Martin Luther King Park um, on, what is it, Lexington and, and, uh, um, what is it, Park or White? I'm blanking right now. That might be White, I think that's White. You think it's White too. Uh, Martin Luther King Park, we started there um, at those park benches. Gente Organizada was born. Um, And um, it started with our mothers. Um, I've learned, I know I've shared this with you, but I've learned so many different lessons, not just kind of when it comes to to just, you know, moving um, and trying to build an organization, but even when it comes to community organizing Mm -hmm. uh, from our moms, right? Um, Some of which have left countries um, that are torn, going through revolutions and, uh, different oppressive systems um, and leaving that right and uh, seeking shelter coming to this this uh, this country with a lot of those different experiences and um, I think one of the most amazing ones when I first started with them I was thinking kind of a hierarchical structure and like all right who are my leaders yes and uh, this is like this is Jesus like still trying to earn his high school degree in organizing and the <laughs> The parents looking at me like, you're an idiot. Like, you're crazy. Um, Like, what's wrong with you? And like, we don't have any leaders. That's how they know how to get us. 
and we're all leaders. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yep. all right, we can make that work. <laughs> um, and to this day, um, all of our social action groups, there's no, there's no structure like that. Right. Everyone's leader. If you're going to put in the work, your vote counts as much as anyone else's, right? So it's a, it was a beautiful lesson. It's something that even within our own organization right now as Gente, like the nonprofit, looking at how we could challenge and decolonize um, even nonprofit structures, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but uh, Gente was born at MOK, started with our mothers. Um, and as soon as resources started to come into the organization, um, like the amazing mothers they are, they're like, Jesus, you need to start working with our kids. Um, Start organizing our youth. They have a lot to say. Um, And Pomona Students Union was born out of that. And uh, that's our second social action group. I didn't give a shout out to the first one. The first parent, the parent group's called Padres Unidos de Pomona. And that's our first social action group. PSU, Pomona Students Union, is our is our second social action group, and that's made up of high school and college-age youth. Um, and PSU was born out of uh, a lot of the issues we're seeing kind of manifest today um, and mm-hmm. after 45 was elected. Um, immediately after, like probably, damn, like two weeks after. They didn't wait. Yeah. They did not wait. Um, he was elected. Um, just some youth that I had the privilege of knowing at that time held a rally in front of the school district. And it was a message to the community, but also their parents that as young people, they understood exactly what was going down. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to send a message to their community that they had their backs and that they were going to do something. And these amazing young people, they went on to start this amazing student organization that is challenging the way our community does politics, that is challenging the way our community um, takes care of one another and self, that is challenging the way our community um, allocates its resources. Yes. And to the core, it's challenging our values. And it's, it's, it's challenging adults to look in the mirror and act on those values. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, so that's, that's a little bit about like Gente and how we got here. And I think the most significant thing that like, I'd want to share is like a couple things about Gente Organizada. Um, we didn't like, this road was rough and it's still rough. Um, as an organization, we've been around probably seven years, um, like going back to like MLK park and at those park benches. Um, we didn't have a home until July, 2019. Um, so as an organization, we would use park benches. Mm-hmm. We, so for those of you who are local and know Pomona, like when that target got built in South Pomona, yeah. when that target went up, we moved up with it. So we went to that Starbucks inside the target. That was my office for a hot minute. Wow. And I would be doing LCAP trainings for our parents in that corner. Yes. Um, and, um, from there we were able to use a local art center. Um, and that really gave us the stability and shout out to the, the DAW center for the arts out here in Pomona, Mm -hmm. um, who has, um, they've given a a start to a lot of organizations and provided that space. So it's one of those gems we have here and we were lucky enough to use that space down here. And it really helps solidify our youth organizing component. Um, but it wasn't until July of 2019 that we actually moved into our own space and our own home. And that's the Hente Youth Center. So it's located here in downtown Pomona. Uh, we're coming up on our one year anniversary. Um, along with, with, yeah, (laughs) along with that, like, um, I wasn't a full-time, I guess, compensated, uh, employee either of the organization. So that happened last July as well. We had some growth. So um tori you know all about that hustle i know all about that hustle (laughs) (laughs) um but uh yeah that's a kind of just significant part of our story as to how we got here but i think the one that um has really like set the tone for who we are and what we do is our leadership structure Mm -hmm. and as an organization 
I'm so happy we did this and like we just didn't kind of like conform and go with the norm. Mm-hmm. We challenged the nonprofit model. Yeah. Uh, we challenged it at its core. And our board of directors is not your affluent West Hollywood or like, you know, like professionals with degrees, connections, influencers, elected officials, none of that. It's the people. Um, It's the people who are putting in work on a daily basis. Um, It's organizers. So I have the honor and privilege of sitting on a board with how many of us are there now? Nine other organizers. Five of which are young people. Yes. Um, who are just some of the most amazing, talented human beings I've ever met. And the other four are parents yes. um, who helped start this organization, um, who have been with us, some of them, for those seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are my bosses. That's who I answer to. Yeah. That's who I am beholden to. Yeah. Um, and it has given me a sense of like, just in my role, like empowerment, um, and freedom because I know where our values lie. So, um, when we do the work, we do so boldly, um, and without any questions about what our intentions and desires are, um, because it's the people behind it. Yeah. Man. So... First of all, because I just love, you already know, like, we got a mutual admiration society going on. I just, I'll be feeling everything that you do, everything you talk about. You mentioned, you know, giving parent trainings in Starbucks on LCAP, which for other folks, it's the local control and accountability plan. It's basically for schools, school districts, monies that get allotted um, for them to set goals, plan actions, uh, improve student outcomes, Right. I want to talk a little bit about that. And then I want you to talk about some of your wins because you've been like super humble about the stuff that you guys have gotten done in Pomona. Um, But talk a little bit about not just LCAP, but your training of parents and what that means and how important it is is for for communities like ours, um, for parents to have a voice in what's happening in their schools and with their children. Right. And just really briefly, like we were on. Um, I was on this webinar with a friend of mine who was talking about like black folks navigating white spaces. And one of the questions I had for two was two moms I was talking to and also a young person. One of the questions I had for them was like, why do we keep sending our kids back to those schools? Right. When we know like they ain't right, like they're not doing our kids right. Yeah. So, I I mean, I'm just putting that in context because I want to hear more about like how you're addressing that issue, how you're making schools better places by organizing parents and young people. Yeah, so the LCAP work was foundational. And this is another gem from our mamas. Ready? So yep, yep. we started doing LCAP work for one simple reason. The parents were like, we were deciding about all sorts of different issues to organize around. And they ultimately came to the conclusion and said, as an organization, not just gente, but anything that we do, we have to study how these systems use our resources. Because then any demands that we have that come after that, we know, we know the money works. We know where the money is and we know how it works. So that was just a gem. So anytime we start to approach a new system, we will try to do some sort of budget analysis of that system to have a better understanding of how their resources work. But, um, At that time, we started to focus on LCAP because a lot of our parents had English learners. And within the LCAP, there's something called SNC dollars, which is Supplemental and Concentration Grant Funds, which is earmarked state funds for foster youth, low-income youth, and English learners. Um, And our parents were not happy because there was millions of dollars coming into our schools and they weren't getting a menu list of services for their English learners. It was like, here it is. If it works for you, cool. If not, you're out of luck. And I remember going to multiple parent teacher conferences as, as an uncle to some of these kids. I was uncle just rolling up. Like they didn't know I was like, feel Jesus. And, um, just sitting there and kind of like playing dumb. 
um, just playing dumb and then just kind of pop in the conversation and ask them a question about like, hey, what, what other services do you have for English learners? And teachers or whoever the educator was saying like, oh, this is it. And in multiple of uh, those, those occasions where I was doing that to just kind of get a better, um, the op an online learning software program that um, students would be able to utilize from home. But the families that I was working with, they didn't have internet at home. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a computer. So I, it just like, who, who thought this was it? Like right. who thought this was the way? And that's really what kind of got us started in the LCAP work and looking closer at how those dollars were spent. Um, some of the recent like I, like victories, like you said, um, this was a, so this like LCAP work and the money work was something that like everything in, in our history and our story, the, the parents set the foundation for. Mm -hmm. um, last year, Pomona Students Union picked up some of that LCAP work. And they ran with it and they ran with it hard. Yeah. Um, we found out that some of these specialized dollars that are supposed to go to English learners, foster youth, um, and low income students, our Pomona Unified School District was using to pay Pomona PD and um, using it on security guards, basically. Wow. And these are dollars that are supposed to meant, uh, are meant to close the achievement gap, right? Right. And, right. Um, we organized like hell around that mm -hmm. and we challenged that, um, student testimonials were just powerful. Um, I want to give a shout out to Ev Lopez. Um, one of his testimonials, um, it stuck with all of us cause it just hit. Um, and he said something to the, the likings of, I was an English learner, um, no cop or security guard ever helped me learn English. Mm -hmm. Now I'm a senior, I'm trying to get to college and they're not helping me fill out these graduation uh, college applications either. Yep. Um, so just some amazing, amazing stories came right. coming out of that. Like this. And the district wasn't budging though mm. at all until um, we flexed, I guess, our, our muscle with, with the homies and brought in ACLU, mm -hmm. public advocates, um, and really challenged them on the legality of what they were doing. And we, to this day, we claim it was an illegal act yeah. by the district. Yeah. Uh, those, those funds are, are meant to uh, supplement um, their students' learning environment. It's supposed to be kind of uh, evidence-based strategies that we're investing in. And yeah. uh, there's study after study about the role of police on campuses and what that means for students of color. Yep. Um, so we went back and forth with that district for a while. We danced, and ultimately they they uh, they got their act together. Yep. And they amended their budget, um, and we walked out of there with a five point four million dollar uh, shift in funds that were redirected wow. back to student services. Um, it was probably. Uh, um, one of the biggest um, LCAT victories in the state around that time. Yep. And I think out of that too was we, we got like 20 new counselors hired on, on school campuses. And it was a huge win. It was a huge win for Pomona. It was a huge win for um, our organization and mm -hmm. uh, really just kind of propelled the work that came after too. Absolutely. Thank you. And I wanted to, especially now in this moment where we are talking about hashtag defund the police and school districts are canceling their contracts with police departments. I was like, yeah, you've been doing this work, bro. Like the, I, not the IE is a leader. Pomona is a leader. Gente Organizada is a leader in this area. As you guys are organizing and doing this work, these are some folks that you need to look at and talk to. Um, they, they, they got the blueprint, they laid the template. Right. Um, and I think it's amazing how, first of all, y'all did your homework. Like these are young people that are like, we looking at the line item budget. Like we want to know what's going down here. Right. Yeah. And then advocating for themselves and saying, instead of investing in basically a carceral school state, right? Like invest in us, invest in our future. That's beautiful yeah. work, bro. Amazing. Yep. PSU, our, our youth organizers, they know how to read budgets. <laughs> it's important. It's exactly. important. Some grown folks don't know how to read budgets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so how is what you're doing? Uh, and I feel like you've been hitting on it anyway, but just say it explicitly. How is what you're doing helping us, helping you, helping the world to reimagine youth work? So to reimagine youth work? Yep. Um, I think it's challenging this like paternalistic approach, right? Um, it's giving space and room for youth to like, yeah, they know how to read budgets. Yeah. You know, like they, they could read a budget and fully understand um, some investments and decisions that our systems are making on behalf of us as communities. Mm -hmm. um, it's challenging as well, um, educators, like our peers, mm -hmm. that students are able to stand in their dignity and be respected, mm -hmm. right? Like just because you're an adult doesn't give you any, any, any room to be disrespectful or cause harm yeah. to a young person in any way. Um, I always feel like a lot of the work that I do with young people is teaching them to stand in their dignity. Absolutely. Um, and to never waver of that. Um, because I think as, as working class folks, as you know, people of color go through these systems, you are constantly like getting pushed and off of that foundation. Mm -hmm. Um, and years of that, that takes a toll on folks. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where like having educators, uh, that look like you, that come from the same community as you, that uplift you, that validate you, mm -hmm. uh, it's incredibly important for our young folks. Right. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest ones that, um, I always tell the students that I work with, like, I'm not like, you're not accountable to me. Like we're accountable to each other, yeah. right. As a community, like, um, it's for most of them, it's usually a different type of relationship that they have with me that they've never had in kind of some sort of like youth program or educational setting. Right. Um, because they'll text me like, Hey, Jesus, I can't make it to this meeting. All right, cool. I hope you're good. Yeah. Um, yeah. like, are you good? Like, all right, cool. No worries. Like, um, and it's, it's just a different approach. It's a lighter approach, I feel, um, because we're really doing our best to make it theirs. Yeah. Like, this is theirs. Um, and challenging ourselves within our own power structures and, and decisions that we make as an organization. Um, where are young folks here? And is there representation? Um, like, when we, like I mentioned our board structure. Mm -hmm. Um, pretty soon we didn't get to it because of Rona, but we're going to get to it. But pretty soon, um, there's going to be another youth board member and it'll be the, the great majority of our boards going to be young people. Right. are going to be high school and college students, um, because they're the future. Like they know where we have to go. Um, and I think as an organization and folks that are trying to do like this, like radical youth empowerment work, it starts there. It starts even where you have to do that self-examination of your power structures within your organization and how decisions are made. Right. Um, I've gotten put in my place as director plenty of times and like learning from our young folks. Yeah. Um, Jesus, you have biases. You need to check your biases like before you talk. We're gonna have a huge decision uh, this Sunday with PSU, guess who's not going to that meeting? I'm not going. Yeah. yeah. They got it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's beautiful to see because yeah. they're standing in their power and standing in their dignity. And um, really as like an organization, um, it's a practice mm -hmm. because it's a lot of behavior that we have to unlearn going through these systems where we, you know, we go to go to through the K through 12 system, then we get whatever degrees we have, and then we go into these professional settings, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it really is a lot of unlearning of white dominant culture, right? Um, and um, learning how to actually like partner mm -hmm. um, and treat people with dignity. Yep. And in this case, it's young people. 
with dignity. Absolutely. So in our work, and I know you've done this at some point in time, but um, in our work, you know, we work with a lot of practitioners, folks in mentoring orgs, folks in schools, other youth development spaces. What kind of strategies would you offer them for making their work more critical for opening up their spaces in the same way that you've been doing with Hente? Yeah. Um, I think in just engaging in bold, dangerous conversations. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, if you're trying to connect with our kids, our youth, you can't, you can't pretend to like not see these elephants in the room. Yeah. Um, you just have to call them out. Um, it doesn't mean you have the answers for them. It doesn't mean that you're going to be able to fix it. Um, but just acknowledgement, right? Right. Um, and I think like we've had within the last two months, right? The world got flipped on its head once, then again, and just like, all right, what's next, 2020? Um, <laughs> Telling you. <laughs> um, and we've had to have a lot of those types of moments within our, our kind of uh, student-led org uh, or social action group, PSU, of like just checking in, like, how are we doing? Yeah. Um, because X, Y, and Z is happening. And I really think it's like just, it's repetition. It's like practicing that. Yeah. It's um, prioritizing the health and well-being of students before grant deliverables. Yes. For a lot of us that are doing this nonprofit work. Yep. Where it's like we're we literally get in the habit of I just need to check off this box and be able to say that after this meeting I did these activities right. or I got these surveys filled out or whatever it is. Um, and it's really learning to be like that could wait. Yep. Because we're not in it to survive a month. We're trying to do this for the long run and. These are other human beings that I'm trying to build a relationship with, right? Um, and it's teaching those around you that. So when you don't see it, when you're blinded by it, because we all get stressed um, and we all feel pressure sometimes, other folks are able to check you or step in and be like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. I took the temperature of the room. This is how it's feeling. And creating that environment where it's just like, all right, let's step back a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think it always goes back to relationships. Like um, you don't get there without forming those relationships. One of the special things that I've been able to have with Gente Organizada, like I said, um, we started off with parents. Um, a little quick story. Mm-hmm. Our board president, um, our board president, shout out to Mari Garcia. She was one of the founding members of Padres Unidos. She was one of the lead parent organizers that was getting things going at those park benches at MLK Park yeah. when everything started. She, um, she and I, like every pivotal moment we, that Gentes had, we've both been there. So we have like a lot of historical knowledge and we just have stories for days that we could reflect on. Yeah. One of those amazing stories at that time, and I think she was... All right, yeah, her, one of her younger daughters was a fourth or fifth grader, I think. And this is in the middle of this campaign at Lexington where we're trying to bring about changes. Teachers are being abusive to students, verbally abusive, um, like just crazy stuff happening in that school. Um, and Mari sits down with her daughter, trains her how to do a sit-in in the principal's office because she was no longer going to sit in her teacher's classroom because she was verbally abusive. And her daughter, who was a fourth or fifth grader at the time, she did a sit-in. She got trained by her mom to do a sit-in in in the principal's office while mom was like handling other business because she couldn't couldn't be there with her the whole time. Right. Um, A day or two after, she got out of that classroom. She got a better teacher. And that's just one of those amazing things where like mom, right? Like just an amazing mother, like stepping up and um, you fast forward now, 2019, what is it? August, September of 2019. Yeah. Mari's daughter is a freshman in high school and she's now a member of the Pomona Students Union. Yep. And she's a youth organizer and she has this story to tell. 
And I've, I've been telling her since the day she signed up and she, she came into our meetings, I'm like, I can't wait till you're a junior and I want to work with you on your college essays. We are telling this story. Yep. We are telling this story. Like that was such a pivotal and um, it's moments like that, that I had those relationships with parents. Yeah. I've seen some of these kids grow up. Um, I live out here. Yeah. I run into folks in grocery stores. Um, the families I work with know my family. Yeah. Um, so it's deep. It's uh, like, for me personally, I've made a long-term commitment to Pomona. Like, yeah. this is like, this is it. I ain't going away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of just some of those strategies to just kind of making deep commitments and being very intentional about forming these relationships. And I think a lot of times when I was young, and just starting to work in like youth development programs, I was often told to keep a professional distance, right? From yes. a lot of the folks I work with, which is heavily coded kind of just like language. Um, and it's like, no, like these are my people. This is my gente, right? So like, yeah. we're, gonna, we're gonna know each other. We're gonna become friends. Like, why would I not want to form a real relationship with the folks that I'm working with? Um, so it's just challenging some of those notions of like how we've done things in the past. Yeah. You, I mean, you, you covered so much right there in terms of just being in community, building community, the, the intergenerational knowledge that's being passed on. I mean, there's a, I think that, I don't think that folks understand, especially for, for, for nonprofits that are led by folks of color in community. I don't think that they understand the depth of, of what we do, like what it really means, right? And I think you encapsulated even in, in your name as you described at the very you know, beginning of this interview, like these are our folks and we're in this work. Like there's no such thing as like, oh, we're just coming in here to drop, like drop off this programming, <laughs> right? Or hold this event, like th these are our communities, right? And there has to be a sense of that for folks who are doing this work. Yep. Yeah. Yep, it's, it's I mean, at the end of the day, like we say this a lot within the work that we do, like we're, we set some like really ambitious goals for some of these campaigns yeah. and we lose more than we win. And as an organization, it took us like what, almost seven years to actually have the stability to have a space. Um, and as an organization trying to fundraise around like community organizing yeah. and basically challenging white supremacy and systems of oppression, right? Yep. Who the hell's going to want to give us money for that? Mm -hmm. Not a lot of folks. And it took us a while. Um, and things thankfully are slowly, but surely kind of shifting in that, yeah. in that philanthropy sector. But um, I don't know, like I tell this, I've told you this a million times, like, I don't know if Hente is going to be around in like three years. Like, we need you. How hard it was to get here. And, yeah. but it's amazing though, too, because that's how we move as an organization. We are seizing the moment. We are living for now. Yeah. We're not trying to be this institution that is more concerned with existing than living. Right. Like we are fighting like hell for our people right now. Yep. And I say that because it comes down to relationships because we value the relationships we have mm -hmm. more than the institution or organization that we've built. So when gente is long and gone, um, we still have those relationships. Yeah. Because we always honored them. Right. And that means more. So, yep. Beautiful. So I hate that this is the last question because I want to talk to you for another hour. <laughs> in your freedom dream, what does the future of youth work look like? Man, all right. Future of youth work. I think like, just even thinking education, like our educational system, like we need to create platforms and spaces even within like the K through 12 system for folks to, to lead and like teach one another mm -hmm. um, and start building them up as leaders. Like, um, 
you know, like how many times, like even on different TV shows or, or movies, have you seen that scene where the teacher's like, all right, like tells that student that's misbehaving, like you give this lesson, student gets up and just knocks it out the park and teacher gets embarrassed, shamed and like, go sit down. Um, yeah. Like our youth are capable, like they could give some of these lessons um, as educators, like why would we not want them to take up that space and give us a break so we could just kind of be a participant and in community with the other students, right? Right. Um, and I think it's really just ch challenging that kind of like a, a paternalistic approach of um, education. It's challenging um, the, the notion that like folks learn by just listening. Um, but I think the most, the, I think one of the most powerful ones is just giving educators, um, people of color, agency yeah. to build. Um, and this is a conversation you and I have often when we when we run into each other. Yeah. Is it is hard uh, to do this, and it is not a welcoming environment. Mm -hmm. uh, it is challenging. Um, and we really need more leaders. Like we need more leaders to be engaging in this work, uh, to be stepping into it. Um, and I think uh, one of the things that like, within my role, like kind of, I guess, educator and organizer, um, I'm always thinking about like who, who's coming out next? Uh, what are the young folks that are gonna kind of carry the torch? Not because I'm trying to leave, right. but because I'm trying to develop this pipeline. Yep. And um, I'm not playing with that. Like I really am trying to develop this like amazing pipeline. Um, and that's something that I'm always thinking of. And I think that approach is something that within every aspect, whether it's kind of like teaching or in my case, kind of organizing or whether it's like nonprofit leaders or whatever it is, like we, we should be intentional about that. Yeah. Um, and building other folks up to, to take the reins and lead. Um, so yeah, like those are some of them. I think one of the dreams that some of us out here have had for a minute is even, um, I think every school district should have, a a, a school that's really just hyper-focused on, uh, social justice. Yep. Um, and for those students that want to take it beyond the kind of volunteerism mm -hmm. and really apply uh, these lived experiences and learnings into their community. Mm -hmm. And that would create a culture too of having educators that are going to engage in the organizing work with their students. Yes. Because a lot of our educators have been brought up in a threatening environment where they cannot be free to speak their mind, right? Absolutely. They can't organize their youth. Even though they see what they see, they can't because it'll, it'll put them in risk of, um, providing for their families, right? And that's right. that's another example of just an oppressive system where we can't do what's best for our kids, our communities. So like, that's a that's a kind of dream that I think a lot of us have had out here if, if we were to, you know, be able to launch something like that, but yeah. schools that are designed for us, right? And yeah. uh, right now we're engaging in, a, uh, in an ethnic studies campaign to not only make ethnic studies a graduation requirement in Pomona, but- yes implement it K through 12. Yes. Um, K through 12 implementation of ethnic studies, right? Like, what does that look like? Um, what kind of impact is that going to have on our young folks when, um, you know, like they're, they're going to be represented in those classrooms and those books that they're assigned. Right. Um, so yeah, like those are some of those things of, of just kind of um, where I see youth work going. It's, it's, it's going in a good place. Um, I think uh, like a lot of us are doing a good work of continuing kind of uh, to build on the foundation that was set for us. Yeah. Um, and I think just being intentional about like our role in it, right? And, and gracefully, <laughs> gracefully kind of transitioning into that elder uh, state. Yeah. And not for some of us that we're founders of orgs, not falling into that like founder syndrome is like, no, it's mine. Like, I can't wait to give Hente away. Like, yeah. who wants to do this? <laughs> um, Absolutely. Like, I'm trying to do other things. I got other crazy ideas. But um, 
I think just kind of developing that approach and um, um, yeah, and developing leaderful movements, right? Whether it's in like teaching, organizing, nonprofit sector, whatever it may be. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for just sharing space with me, for giving me time to talk to you and pick your brain. I appreciate you. I really do. Appreciate you too, Tori. And like, shout out to Iman. Um, Y'all have been giving us like amazing technical support for our staff, for our young folks. Appreciate you. um, For years now. So I just want to give you your due too, because when we first started trying to do this youth work, I was just an organizer organizing parents. I had never organized youth. I had worked with them on helping them get to college, yeah. you know, become better people or students, but I had never organized them. And I think um, getting to know you, the work that you did, um, it was validation of the approach that we were trying to take. Mm-hmm. It set the foundation for us. So I told you this the other day. We, we gave you all a shout out on social media. I saw it, bro. You made me cry. <laughs> Good. I'm about to make you cry again. Um, there is no gente without Iman or Tori. And I mean that. And Appreciate you. It, it's just big. And like, it's just like you deserve that praise, too, because it was validation for us. Like We were trying to do something bold as hell. And a lot of folks weren't with it. And it was just like, hold up. Um, Dr. Tori... Uh, we censored on like what she wrote this book called critical mentoring and um, it was just a it, it was just a like big deal for us to be able to be like we're good like we could do it this way there's other folks that are trying to do this differently so like shout out to you Tori and thank you for everything thank you Thank you so much, y'all. This has been one of the dopest interviews of the season. (laughs) You have been listening to Jesus Sanchez of Gente Organizada in Pomona. We are going to put some information about their wins in the episode notes, uh, links to their Instagram, all of their social media, um, but also some information about LCAP and um, maybe even a little bit of strategy if Jesus wants to share it with y'all about um, organizing around defunding police in your own schools and your own school districts. Until next time, keep doing the good work.